I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. All right, welcome to the Rap is Over Everything podcast. My name is Amit Man. Thank you for tuning in. Please do rate, review, subscribe, all that fun stuff. And also on Twitter, if you want to give me a follow at Amit underscore man, and you can follow Asad at, is it Swar Lasers? Yep, Swar Lasers. What does that mean? What is Swar Lasers? <laughs> it's, it's got a horrible <laughs> etymology, very lame, but I made it. Uh, all right, forget it, I'll tell you. So yes, it please. was... I'm in grade 12. It's 3 a.m. at night. I am binge watching season five or season six of How Much Your Mother. And Lupe Fiasco's Lasers album was about to come out. So you had the Swarly episode of How Much Your Mother. You got the Lasers album come out. I've decided to make a Twitter account for no good reason. And yeah, that's how you come up with this lazy username. And oh, he it just performed stuck. on opening <laughs> night too. That's hysterical. Yeah, running into Lupe at Lupe being the halftime show at opening night was by far the like it completely shocked me and like i got tickets to the game for free i got lucky i get there Ooh. lupe is performing at halftime and then the raptors played so disjointed and poorly <laughs> i ended up spending halftime not watching the show but rather in the hallway raging with um you know former guest and host uh william lou so yeah that i will lou but yeah thanks to the raptors i missed out on a lupe concert so yeah shout it out was to for that. the better <laughs> it was it was for the better i mean my goodness uh Game one was not uh, not great. And uh, it's funny because I had a person message me um, after the last podcast I did and said, yo, man, you ruined my day. Like, all you did was talk about how much worse the Raptors are compared to the other best teams in the East. And I messaged him back. So I'm like, yo, look, like reality is, and I said this at the end of the previous podcast, that this is going to come down to their half court offense, how they can execute, how good they can be and how they can grow in it. And surely enough, we saw game one and uh, it was a really, really, really big issue. Actually, last time I talked to you, you said that Scotty Barnes was like, he's so hyper. He's like a kid on sugar. And I feel like the entire team was kind of like that. They were all hopped up on pixie sticks and then they had a huge crash because the energy was not there. But I'm maintaining some positivity. I'm showing optimism. That's why I got Pascal beside me. I got Scotty here. I'm wearing my championship ring. Right? right. I want everyone to, I want everyone to see it, that things are still positive around here. We just had a, you know, we're a bit off to, off to a rough start. So with Assad today, we're going to look at reasons to be optimistic and pessimistic about the, the Raptors so far and what we saw in game one. And then we're going to look at the next three games against the Celtics, Mavericks, and the Bulls on Monday. DeMar makes, uh, yeah, his debut with, with the Bulls and they won their first game. Uh, first time since 2017, they are over 500 at 1-0. Wild. So if you want to talk poverty, there you go, <laughs> folks. Um, but let's start with the Raptors, right? And let's start with the optimistic side of things. So yep. considering, I guess, how bad things were, what is one thing that uh, people should be optimistic about based off what you saw? Oh, straight out the gate. They're not going to shoot that poorly again. Like, no, like, yes, the offense didn't run that well, but they also bricked every single shot. I'm not even talking about open shots. 
layups. Like every single possible shot they, they could miss, they missed. Like there was one point in the game where it was like OG Ananobi and Gary Trent Jr. I think they hit their first jump shots in like the fourth quarter. Yeah. And it's like, like those guys are your shooters. And like, we can be pessimistic about, oh, those guys are your shooters. No, but like they're re- legitimately good shooters. They're, good they're, shooters. Proven, yes. they're proven good shooters. Yes. And I went through OG's tape uh, last night at like 4 a.m. because I couldn't sleep because that's how bad that game was that it's been keeping <laughs> me awake at night. Uh, and honestly, like, sure, upset of the shots that OG took, maybe like four of them were probably forced, like him just forcing, breaking the offense. But he had a lot of really good looks that just yeah. like went back rim. He missed a missed his first free throw as well, back rim. Like I think the jitters did get to him and they just had a horrible shooting night. So I think if anything, like I expect them to at least be able to shoot better. They're they're not gonna shoot that badly again. Like they were 15 of 51 in the first half, and then it got worse. Mm. Like mm. it was it was a brutal, it was a different level of brutal. Like just to say, like you're in you're in you're in the arena. And you just see, like, they have the sideboards. And on the sideboards, they have, like, the McDonald's. If the Raptors hit 12 threes, you get free fries promotion. And you look up at the board, and it's like, they're four for 26. I'm like, awesome. <laughs> Fantastic. I don't think I don't oh, think we're getting fries, guys. But I'm sure I, I have a feeling that, you know, three-point variance is something that kind of comes and goes. So I personally predict that we're going to get some free fries this weekend. So that's something to be Saturday. optimistic about. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, look at what the Mavericks, uh, how they did against the Atlanta Hawks last night. And there's reason to believe that the Raptors are going to be able to score against the Dallas Mavericks. We'll get into that in a moment, but um, I completely agree. And I looked at OG specifically, and in the fourth quarter, he shot two of five, he hit two threes, he had eight points. And I think that's probably more indicative, like the two threes he hit um, in the flow, the nice follow through that we were used to. And uh, earlier on, yeah, there was some rush jumpers. There was some ill-advised shots. Maybe he was forcing a bit of the, a bit of his jumpers you know, showing that, look what I got in my, my basket here. Um, and I would have preferred to see him just, you know, drive into the bucket more. And he did a bit of that in the fourth quarter. And that that's kind of where I, we saw him getting to the free throw line a little bit more. And uh, he was getting to the paint. He was creating traffic. And that's what he has to do, you know, in this next stretch without Pascal is he's got to get to the bucket. And uh, the Raptors, I mean, it's Nick, it's everyone else. They got to make space for him because they need him to get in the paint because they don't have that many guys who can get into the paint. And we'll get into that uh, a little bit more in, in a second. But him getting into the paint is really important for their offense, for their half court, because there isn't too many guys that can that can do it. Yeah. And even if it's not getting into the paint, I think even getting like a deep or deep post catch or a mid post catch, like there were, there was a play in the second half when things start, like when OG started to get going, he still wasn't hitting yeah. shots, but he had a deep post catch on the block, dribble, dribble, turn baseline, drew the double dump off pass to Ken Birch for a dunk. Right. Exactly. Those are, those are ways that you can create. Like, I think, yes, the Raptors don't really have a downhill presence to get touches in the paint. And that's going to be a problem until Pascal gets back. Pascal's, probably the best player on the team of like getting from the three-point line, getting a touch in the paint, beating his first man, drawing the help. So you have to learn, figure out other ways to draw help and ways to do that is getting OG a post-touch, getting OG a catch on the move, getting other players catches on the move where the defense has to rotate and then you can um, pick it apart, right? So uh, I think that's probably what you're going to need to see more. Last game you saw OG was breaking the offense to kind of get those looks and – that's where I think, like, if there's something to, like, I'm, I don't want to, like, again, I don't want to have any pessimistic takes about anything. So I'm just going to say, like, places of improvement that we want to see until Pascal gets back. I think one of the things that you want to see improve is, I think, with Fred and OG, is you want to see them play off of each other a bit more. Um, in game one, it was disjointed in the fact that it was kind of like, your turn, my turn. 
with the sure. offense, right? Whether it's Goran initiate, Fred initiate, OG initiate. So I think Fred and OG are the two best players on the team. They need to play a little bit more off each other, whether it's two-man actions with them, whether it's Fred looking to set up OG um, in the post or whatever it might be. Uh, I think that'll help kind of get the offense in the half court kickstarted a bit and create those initial advantages. But those are the things to kind of look out for in the next couple of games is how do those guys start meshing in their own two-man game? Because I think over the years, uh, that hasn't really been a two-man game that we've seen a lot of. I think you've seen yeah. a lot of Kyle and OG, and you've seen a lot of Fred and Pascal. So I think it's it's weird because it's a pairing that I don't think has had – like, even though they played so long with each other, I don't think it's a pairing that has as much chemistry as you would expect. Sure. And the two-man game that you mentioned, like that's not something the Raptors even done like too much overall. They don't really experiment too much with it. We know the Kyle and Serge combo that was legendary for them, but that is one thing that I would love to see too is experiment. Like I want to see OG set a screen for Pascal. I want to see them get wild with this because this is part of the advantages of having like all these guys who are like six, seven, six, eight, six, nine, is that they should all be able to screen, cut roll all that stuff and you should be able to get some decent offense out of it because they're all pretty good playmakers i'm happy you mentioned the post-up thing because i was going to talk about that as well and it's the same with scotty too um he's playing you know 30 minutes and it seems like they are committed to giving him all the minutes he needs and there was a possession he had where he was able to um the ball swung it was a really nice possession actually it was it was in the second quarter and the ball swung around and they found scotty in the corner and he took a few dribbles in and he posted up kcp and he got a bucket out of it and i think that's an easy way for them now to just orchestrate some offense and it's like clean offense you know you're not worried about um too much passing too many turnovers because turnovers were a huge issue for them just you know give it to one of your best players in a in posting up and let them operate and let them, you know, run some off ball actions and see if you can make something happen for yourself and for the, for the rest of the team, like simplify it a little bit more. Again, Nick stressed once more, and he said it many, many times that they have not worked too much on the half court offense. Why? I mean, you know, he's very committed to getting them in transition and perfecting the defensive details that are so, so, so important to him. Um, so yeah, the half court offense needs a lot of work and he knows it too. And I think on that point, like just talking about the defense and the transition, if you want to talk about things that could not possibly get any worse, uh, the transition offense was absolutely like it was horrendous. They couldn't forget like the actual transition offense. They couldn't even get like the break started. I think we saw more turnovers in the middle of the court, like off of a steal than I I, I can ever remember. It's like, oh, we just stole the ball. We gave it right back. What? How is this happening? It was like five or six fast breaks which just ended within a second of them starting because of like just silly turnovers and i think those will get ironed out i think nick probably is going to play with the groups a little bit me personally one of the things that i had an issue with in the first game and i'm hoping now the team's kind of settling in and we'll see uh, in the boston game and hopefully in the dallas game i don't know about the boston game against i don't know what Ime udoka's defensive scheme is going to be but i know that Brad Stevens was always good at making sure that the Celtics got back in transition to completely take away the Raptors transition attack. Mm -hmm. So let's see what Ime Udoka's scheme is, but if it's similar, it might be a a similarly slog of a night. Uh, But I think what I want to see is I want to see the guards push the pace more. And that's kind of why Delano was so successful when he came out was they started playing faster. And it's one of the things where I think that's where you miss Kyle Lowry the most. And it was so and I don't think and everyone was thinking it without saying it while watching that game, but you're just like, something's wrong here. Like it's just weirdly slow. Like I felt impatient every single possession. I'm like, 
why why isn't the possession started yet like we're at 16 seconds like let's go let's go let's go let's go and that's what we saw in the second half when the raptors started making that comeback started playing a little bit better in that fourth quarter that was when you saw that raptor basketball pace kicked in right and you're kind of hoping that i think goran and fred is a slow combination to have out there i don't know if goran's pace is gonna increase in time so that's probably to look out for but i'm kind of hoping that Nick is open to actually tinkering with the starting lineup. Because I do think Gary helps better with the starters. He's more of a role player um, in terms of the specific skills he brings. Yeah. And he can keep the pace up. Gary's a more frenetic player, keeps the pace up. And I think that leverages the Raptors' strengths a bit more. So I would like to see the pace go up the next couple of games. And I'm assuming it will. I don't think Nick wants to play slow. There's never been in his history a slow Raptors team. So... A faster, a faster paced game should hopefully lead to a bit more offense, but that's that's kind of the juice that we should be seeing in the next couple of games. There are a couple of things I want to touch on from what you said, but did you yeah. uh, did you watch Kyle last night in in his heat? Oh yeah, and it's just like as soon as you see it, it's just like man, like yeah. you can see the pace difference right at the gates. Like as soon as the rebound, he's gone. He's hits the kick ahead. Like you, before you even see it on screen, he's already hit the pitch ahead, which is like all you can ask for, right? Like I don't want to be watching a game. And seeing a pitch ahead pass and be screaming at my TV, make the pass, make the pass. Like, I can't, like, I have to, I feel like I'm coaching when I'm watching games at times because I'm just yelling at them to, for them to pass. Yeah. And Kyle just, like, I think Kyle Lowry just ruined my basketball watching experience. I can't watch slower point guards play anymore. Kyle Lowry plays at such a beautiful pace. And he had that Miami Heat team buzzing. I think Bam Adebayo signed after the game. They asked him about um, his um, him attacking the offensive glass as much as he was. And he was like, that's all Kyle. So yeah. Kyle's already been in the year. He's already like empowered all those young players. And that's where it's like Kyle Lowry's like a top three game manager in the league for me. I think it's like him, Chris Paul and LeBron are the best like in-game sure. managers in the league. And Kyle looked spe- that spectacular and I was heartbroken, but hey, <laughs> Kyle chaos, Kyle chaos. That's what Pat Riley said on opening uh, when they, hey. when they uh, introduced Kyle to, to Miami is that they want Kyle to play that chaos and that that's what he causes because he can he can play at such a frantic pace but he's completely in control and it's hard for other players to match that pace and also be as heady as he is like it's a it's an unbelievable combination that only few players have and it's probably the guys that you just mentioned the chris pauls or lebron james that they can it looks like they're frantic but actually they're calm as hell inside their head because they're completely in control they know exactly what's going on and Miami Heat, I mean, they got introduced to a Kyle Lowry stat line last night that we're all very familiar <laughs> with. One of six plus 22, <laughs> six assists. But you'll never understand unless you just watch him for an entire game how much he affects them. And one thing that stood out to me just watching that game is how easy he you know, made passes happen, right? It's in transition, it's in pick and rolls, it's, you know, it's finding ways to keep on, continue to swing the ball by being creative with how you get the ball, you know, around the baseline to like Duncan Robinson or Tyler Hero when they're, when they're open, but there's a few defenders in the way, but he's just finding ways to do it. And that's something that the Raptors struggled with, man. Fred struggled with it, is making those pitch passes, you know, in pick and rolls and a few of the think, turnovers that Fred I had think the were, best, were right there. The best way to explain Kyle Lowry is like, a lot of people say, he's like, oh, he's the heart of a team. He's like the engine of a team but it's like he's not even the engine he's literally like the oil that like makes all the gears like run smoothly like he is just clean oil because he fills every little gap and there's not a wasted second so like the one thing like if you remember from the raptor game like you would see like whether it's v 
um, drives and kicks with that giant looping pass, which I hope sure. to God to see less of and see more <laughs> yeah. like, you know, accurate passing. But he makes that pass to the first man in the corner. The corner man catches it, takes him an extra beat to pass it to the wing, who takes an extra beat to pass it to the top of the key. And we get an open Chris Boucher three out of it. But it's those like little like extra half seconds, extra half open, beats that's right? taken. It could have been wide exactly. open. Exactly. So you take an open shot, becomes wide open, and then a contested shot could have been an, at least an open shot, right? Sure. Or those gaps. And that's what Kyle feels. And that's what I'm hoping to see kind of from Fred. And we saw that last year. Fred was actually had gotten a lot better last year. He had like legitimate games where he was scoring 30 points, 12 assists in Kyle, mm-hmm. when Kyle was out. It was a truly poor Fred showing in game one. I don't think it's going to see that again. He was forcing a lot of things. He wasn't setting up the offense the way he should have. Um, and part of that, I think, is also the other starting lineup change I'm really hoping to see this weekend is Kem Birch with the starters. And I know that might be controversial for some people or whatever because they see Achua as being more dynamic. Yeah. One, I think Kem has way better pick and roll chemistry with both OG and with um, Fred. And Kem knows how to move against those guys. So he moves in the right spots with precious. There was some very rough pick and rolls run where precious, precious is a good lob finisher. I wouldn't say he's a good pick and roll finisher. He missed a few dunks yesterday. I heard the other day too, though. Yeah. (laughs) Like strange for him. Yeah. But the thing is like when he's filling the lane and we saw that on the one Scotty miscommunication as well, precious is always looking for the lob. So he's never looking to open himself up for the pocket pass. So when, I went back and watched the tape on him on the pick and rolls. I'm like, oh, he's not like he sets the screen and rolls, but he doesn't roll for the pocket pass. So like, he's not open for that pass. And you saw Fred had a turnover trying to hit him with that pocket pass. OG trying to play two man game with him. Couldn't really figure out the pass. Um, OG had a turnover off of a pocket pass with him. And then the second time OG ran a pick and roll with him, uh, Precious didn't fill the lane correctly. Mm-hmm. So the big so OG was getting guarded on his hip and by the big and had no one to pass. to, So he ended up settling for a step back too so sure. i think cam would help ease the starting lineups kind of like make the starting lineup a little more fluid and i think precious is just meant to be on the bench like in terms of like the energy he brings like that's that be- the bench unit should be a change of pace unit where they're just like crank that dial to 100 and yeah. let's push this other team's bench unit to the max right um and that's what we saw with delano and that's why that changed the entire you know outlook of that game from being a stinker 30 point loss to like hey fake comeback yeah. so I'm going to shelve the, the center conversation because that's something I didn't yeah. want to talk about in a moment. But okay. as you're mentioning, right, um, the pace that's required to come with from the, the bench unit, like that's really, really key. That's your change of pace. That's just like high motor. Here we go. And Svi, he had a few turnovers and he had some questionable decisions. But I think overall, like he did a good job of pushing the ball. And, you know, he missed shots, he missed some layups and that's, that's going to happen. But I, I liked his mentality. I think that was really effective. And um, he's uh, he kind of showed what he could do in preseason. And I think Nick really likes, uh, likes what he offers. And he even said afterwards that the only reason Delano played was because uh, Sui got into, into foul trouble. Right. So yeah. Delano wasn't good, even going to hit the court. And uh, that kind of solidifies like what at the moment, what Nick's top nine is. And it kind of stops at, uh, Svi, and then afterwards, you know, you got Delano and Malachi and all these cats that. Uh, well, we don't know at the if, moment. We don't. We don't know if. But Malachi that's going to change the next one up. Yeah, and we, <laughs> know, we don't. Know, right? Yeah, we don't know. And right, and that's the thing is that we <laughs> there's a lot of things that have to be figured out. And I mean, he could get some time to tonight against the Celtics. We're not sure, but Malachi's in an interesting spot. He's a whole other conversation, and I feel bad for him a little bit how things are kind of rolling out. The Raptors have gone big in this way, and he essentially I tweeted this actually that. He essentially has to become like a Lou Williams 
off the bench, just nonstop scoring. And that's the way he's going to be able to solidify steady minutes. Otherwise, why wouldn't you play Delano after what yeah. he showed and his versatility? He kind of fits the mold. So Malachi's in a tough spot right now. I feel for him. But uh, as we continue to look at things, um, I'm still optimistic about, you know, the defense and what we saw. Uh, they gave up 41 or, uh, yeah, it was 41 uh, points in the paint in the first half. And that was cut down to 18 in the second half. That's crucial. Like that's a, that's a big, big change that happened there. And they were able to kind of steady their offense or defense a little bit. They were getting into people again. And as Nick said, after the game, like they were kind of stuck in mud, it seemed like for most of the game, they just weren't moving their feet. But uh, in the second half, we started to see more of what their identity is going to be. And that's going to be critical because their defense is going to be what leads to their transition offense. And the transition offense is going to be crucial. Like regardless of, you know, just pushing the ball nonstop. Like they need to create turnovers. They have to create turnovers. And if they're not doing that, then that's going to affect their offense. Like substantially, it's going to be huge. So, and if you want um, to talk about positives, like yeah. turnovers, they turn Washington yeah. over a 20, ton. 20 so times. much. They complete, they outboarded them. They turned them over. They didn't give up any offensive rebounds. They're actually very good on the defensive glass and they're very good forcing turnovers. Yeah. It was just like a complete, like letdown on the other end where they just weren't careful with the ball. Uh, and I think to speak to that, like, I think when Birch starts playing more, like your mm-hmm. defense is going to settle a little bit more because um, I thought in the second half, like Birch is just, I think, a more solidifying force on defense. He's more of someone you can rely on. Achua, yeah. I, I think, gets lost in the scheme a bit. But that's where I think, like, there's a lot of, if you want to talk about optimism, that yeah. and another point of positives that I hope to see this weekend is Utah Watanabe, fingers crossed, is back healthy because he would solve so many issues, like similar to like what Kyle Lowry does. Utah is one of those guys who just like, he just makes things mesh. Like he speeds up the, the between plays and he's just an all world hub defender. So hopefully when he's back, that'll really like, you know, juice up the slide up more. Concerned about uh, when he's going to return because Nick didn't really uh, give us a, a, a glowing review of his return when he was talk- was asked about it. He said, oh, it's kind of, uh, yeah, we're not really we're not really sure yet. And then I thought Chris Boucher was going to be further behind than, than Utah. But now Utah, like, we don't know when he's going to be returning exactly. And we just mentioned that Nick already has like a top nine and all players that should be playing. And now you factor in Utah and then Pascal. Like the, the Raptors are much deeper than they were last season and it's going to pay dividends i'm sure throughout the season but uh there's gonna be a lot of guys who aren't going to get a lot of playing time because nick has always said that he wants his best players to be on the court so fred and og and pascal they're gonna keep on playing 37 minutes unless it's a blowout one way or another so who's going to fill the rest of those minutes who's going to show up game in game out and uh yeah be a difference maker and you got to like convince nick to take those guys off the court and put you on because otherwise he's going to go with them so that's going to be an interesting thing to to see how that breaks down and then just like the the other thing i wanted to mention the reason for optimism is that so many of the issues are so correctable like ken birch like losing the ball at half court uh precious double dribbling crossing half court uh the confusion over switching on defense um, throwing the ball on two, uh, you mentioned that play with Scotty and Precious, like two, throwing the ball away on a two on one, like very clear open layup is right there. Like these things are going to be corrected. And one thing that was really, I thought was hilarious. And it was Masai. He was talking to Kayla Gray and he said this very line, we're young, as you can see. And I think he was only talking about like the, the team, but then like a turnover happened just moments after. 
It's like, oh, indeed, yes, we are very, very young. But these are things that are going to... How would you like to look five years younger? In a clinical study, people that had volume added with Juvederm Voluma XC in the cheeks perceived themselves as looking five years younger at six months after treatment. Look younger, feel like you. Add volume for lift and contour in the cheeks with Juvederm Voluma XC. Reverse signs of aging by adding volume to smooth laugh lines with Juvederm Volure XC. For important safety information and to find a licensed specialist, visit Juvederm.com. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. Not for people with severe allergic reactions, allergies to lidocaine, or the proteins used in Juvederm. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. There's a risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. Talk to a licensed specialist to find out if it's right for you. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Get fixed. And Nick said it already that we are going to, like, to, yesterday's practice was a learning day. That's what they did. They learned and they taught. And, you know, being on the road will probably help. They had eight days off all the emotions around that home opener. Um, it was a lot to take in for a lot of these players. So getting on the road, playing this game against the Boston, you know that if you don't show up, you're going to be in a lot of trouble. So I think we'll, we should expect a much more, uh, I guess, balanced effort, much more focused effort. But we'll get into the, the Celtics in a second. And I know we don't want to get in too much into the pessimism, but I did just want to mention a few things. If you have anything that you want to mention, have at it. Otherwise, I just wanted to say one thing. Yeah. You can go if you want. Oh, I got nothing. I like, I don't like to be pessimistic at the early part of the season because the first two weeks of the season are always just like extended preseason to me. So yeah, I personally very open minded about it. But like, if you got something to say, I'll see if I can add on to it. But okay, fair enough. Um, the only thing I was a little bit concerned about is it's it's the well, it's two things actually. It's the half court offense, and I know that as we've all talked about, you know, like the shots are going to get better and they're, they're going to go in and Nick is going to make his tweaks with the half court offense, but I'm just worried about the ceiling of it. And it's hard to look at it because uh, Pascal isn't there and he's, you know, he's their best player. And some people feel otherwise, but uh, Pascal is their, by far their best player, but I'm just wondering about the ceiling of it and how all these pieces are going to work because there's so much to work on with it. And while Pascal is out, like the schedule isn't great. And so I'm concerned about what kind of hold they're going to dig themselves with because their half court offense isn't great before Pascal returns. Like what's the record going to be by mid November? Like, cool. You know, he's back and I'm sure it's going to improve, but what if they're like well below 500, those are hard holes to get out of. And there really isn't a remedy for that. I mean, Otherwise, other than saying that, you know, maybe they should have worked on the half court offense earlier on because, you know, clearly the defense, they have the bodies to play decent defense, maybe getting ironing out the half court offense and having more plays and creating less confusion. So guys know what they're doing may have been a route to go, but I'm, I'm a little bit concerned about what they're going to be, you know, what the record's going to be come mid-November because it could not be great. The schedule wasn't great. I think that's fair, but also it's like, 
who cares what the record is? Because again, the only part time the record matters is at the end of the year. So yeah. again, it's a and a lot of this, a lot of the things that are going to be a problem. I personally think they can get to a passable <laughs> half court offense, passable half court offense with the guys that they have right now. Yeah. Um, OG and Fred have to play better, and that just is the case. They play better. I think the defense, even in the first game, with all the mistakes they made, showed that it was good enough. To, they held the Wizards at ninety eight points. Like they turned them over a ton. So I'm not, I'm not terribly worried. I think the early part of the season, other teams are also a bit disjointed, which should let the Raptors still be able to crank up these turnovers and get a fair number of turnovers from people. Uh And then, you know, like a lot of your offense is going to come from the fast break, the regular season, the way it is half court offense doesn't really matter until the fourth quarter. Um, Like it matters, but it doesn't like really, really matter. So I think the Raptors can score enough points to get to like, I don't know, there may be, there'll be like three or four games under 500 when Pascal comes back. But I think Pascal is going to solve a lot of the issues. Like it's, there's last night's game was again, like be grateful for Pascal Siakam game, right? Because it's like, oh, you want someone to, you want someone to push the pace uh, off the rebound? Pascal Siakam. You want someone to break down the defense and get you an open shot? Pascal Siakam. You want somebody to like make these like, like mid-range post shots and to get to the rim over and over and over again? That's Pascal Siakam, right? So I'm not, I'm not too worried about it. Uh, we'll see how it goes. Honestly, it's, it's a fun exercise to see, right? you got two weeks until all these guys – I think Pascal's going to be back sooner rather than later, personally. I have this strong belief that he's going to be back. We're in hoping. Week or two. We're hoping. But uh, I'm, I'm, I'm optimistic. I think, yeah. I think people have – I think Pete, what happens is, like, you get this laser focus on the team that you, you're a fan of. So yeah. you see the problems with your team and you don't notice the problems with the other teams. So every other team, seem, you only see the things that they do that are better than you, but you don't see all the things that they do worse than you. So there are going to be a lot of games where we just surprise and win because, hey, guess what? Our bench, in theory, is better than most of the league if they play the way that they're supposed to play. So yeah. even if you lose the starters minutes by a couple points, you should be able to win a lot of these bench minutes. So mm. we'll see how it goes. Again, got to get the pace up, got to play with a little bit more um, defensive focus and cut out a few of the mistakes. And I think, like, you have a good enough team to go 500. Yeah. And that's that's why I'm optimistic about yeah. what the result will be in the next two weeks. Of course, it could go all to shit, and it is what it is, <laughs> but we'll deal with that when we deal with that. That's too early show the ring. for that. Just gonna show the ring. <laughs> we're, still rem- <laughs> we're still maintaining our, our optimism about the Raptors. It's just a couple of things that are a little bit, uh, yeah, concerning to a degree. And the other thing was it's Kem and Achua. And uh, the center combination, you know, some had said it's going to be one of the worst in the NBA. And I didn't necessarily agree with that. But just based off what we saw against the Wizards, um, I mean, Harrell was a problem for them. And uh, with Kem, I saw a lot of plays where like he just wasn't like muscling up in the same degree that probably he needs to be with the, with the person like Carol. And I know that he's coming back from COVID and I want him to get back to hundred percent as soon as possible, but I mean, they're not big guys, right. And there's, yeah. there's players like Harold and the MBs and the Jokic's yes, they're going to be, you know, defending those guys by uh, committee, but that's to some point, like it's going to be on, Achua and and Kem to handle those responsibilities as best they can. And uh, there's going to be a huge weight variance and some players are just very aggressive on the boards and uh, they did a decent job, but I mean, Kem was, he looked a little bit lackadaisical at times. That'll change. I'm sure. But 
it was a bit concerning because I do think that Cam should start because of everything that you mentioned, that he's a much more steady. He's going to be probably a better player overall for the offense and defense. But then that still doesn't solve the fact that just because you're the better of two options doesn't mean that you're a great option. So I think I think part of it's like you got to flush that game out of memory just because it's as bad as it was. But I think with Cam, especially like it was like the bad moments did look bad. And that was for yeah. both in both cases. But there was a lot of where it was like, more their mistakes was like oh they miscommunicated a switch like the two big guys like sure. Boucher and Kem I think miscommunicated two or three switches in a row I in the third exactly quarter that led to backdoor there. layups yeah. or like easy little yeah. one pass layups right and those are yeah. things that'll get ironed out which I'm not too worried about because I think Kem is like at at the baseline he's he's a lot better with those switches and communicating as a backline defender and then yeah he'll get muscled off every so and so but I think Kem is the strongest of the the center core he lost a little bit of weight with COVID so I think I'm I, like for me in my head, I'm like, I'll give Kim like a week to kind of get his legs and get his sure. conditioning back because he missed out as much as he did. But I'm not as worried about like, like Montrez Harrell goes, whatever, eight for 11, three of his buckets are on like just straight up like defensive lapses. And then the rest, like he powered through, that's good for him. Like you, you take that um, if you're also forcing 22 turnovers because you're like Bradley yeah. Beal, horrible shooting night, right? Kyle Kuzma, horrid shooting night. Spencer Dinwiddie didn't have a great night either. Like these guys were being hounded um, with the rest of your size. So I think that's where you make it up. And I'm not too, too concerned about, again, like big centers. The one thing is like, yeah, they'll beat you up down low, but you have to like get the ball down low to them. And if your big center in Embiid or Jokic is having to start from the top of the key where they're facing an OG and an OB first, um, I think the Raptors have enough bodies to stop them from getting to the rim with the ball in their hand. So that means they have to focus on their other passers. And that's where your length on the wing comes in, right? Because you, you cut off those angles for those entry passes and you get those, like the pressure on the wings gets those steals. So I think there's enough pieces there to stay, stay even. And again, I think the Raptors defense for as bad as a night they had scheme wise. Yeah. They showed like their baseline was still very good. Like they did. A, it was very good. Yeah. Like they it turned was. like to get 22 turnovers off the wizards. And like legitimately like real turnovers, like just I'm taking the ball away from you at the wing. That's yeah. insane. So I think there's a lot of things to be positive about. And as these things iron out, it'll get a little bit better. Yeah. And, you know, with the, the Raptors, like their MO, right, with the, an Embiid is that the job of the center is pretty much just push him out, get him out of the paint. And then from there, now it's our team defense that's going to take over. And it's going to be Fred digging. It's going to be OG digging. And they're very good at it. They're exceptional at doing that and timing it to the point where as soon as that big takes a dribble, they're coming. And that's when the turnovers happen. And hopefully, God willing, that's when they get in transition, they get a layup. <laughs> that's what I'm hoping for. Okay, so that was uh, the optimism and pessimism side of things. Let's look at uh, the games coming up. So the next three, we got the Celtics uh, tonight. We got the Mavericks on Saturday and then the Bulls on Monday. Let's start with the Celtics and things that we're just uh, we're curious about, things that we want to see, matchups we want to see, stuff like that. So Asad, after you, sir. Yeah, um, so for the Celtics, what to look out for, matchups. Um, I want, honestly, let's see how we guard their wings, right? Like Jalen yep. Brown had a hot night. Tatum had the opposite of a hot night. So um, probably, you know, Tatum's a good player. He's not going to have two of those in a row. So let's see how our wings are in, you know, a regular season game rather than just a preseason game. So I can't wait to see what Scotty Barnes and OG kind of look like on those guys and whether they can actually shut them down and whether we can actually get that. The Celtics have the same issues kind of the Raptors do where they don't really have a point guard, but Peyton Pritchard, he tore us apart last time. 
yeah. if he tears us apart again, you know, that'll be traumatic, but uh, <laughs> they don't really have a point guard. And I think um, with Al Horford's status up in the air, as far as I know, uh, you know, mm. we'll see how that goes without Al Horford. I think their, their center rotation is also very, very slim. It's just yeah. um, Robert Williams. So it's weird because the Celtics and the Raptors are very, very similar, except that they have half court creators, but no, their half court offense also isn't very good. Uh, mm. But they have bailout guys. Um, so it'll really come down to, I think it'll be a slog of a game. It always is with Boston. Yeah. Um, and I'm, I'm personally looking to see how Fred and OG rebound from game one and let's see how they orchestrate the offense. Those are going to be the keys for me to look for. And I was going to touch on OG and Fred too, because Fred said after the game that he was disappointed in the lack of fight. That's one of, one of the biggest characteristics of the Raptors is that we just, we fight, we claw and we, we don't uh, stop competing until the very end. So that's one thing that I was also curious about um, the point guard side of things like Dennis Schroeder. I mean, he's coming off the bench right now. They're relying on Marcus smart to be their point guard because they're still starting Grant Williams, but Dennis Schroeder was the one who ended the game against the Knicks. But uh, yeah, I want to see how they, how they handle um, guarding these these point guards and I want to see how they handle Robert Williams as a rim protector because Gafford was a bit of a problem for them and uh, they didn't finish very well against around the rim and Robert Williams is another guy he had five blocks 10 rebounds 16 points I think against the Knicks he's another guy that's going to be it's hard to finish around because of his size and he's very very good I'm jealous that the Celtics have him so very switchy, uh, very switchy defense. Another thing too there. Um, how are you going to handle that? How are, can OG get downhill when he's being guarded by a, a Tatum and a Jalen Brown? That's going to be a big step for him. And then, yeah, Scotty, are you going to be able to defend Jason Tatum? There was that one play from preseason where he blocked him and then he went right down the court for a layup. I would love to see more of those. That would be really, really fun. Um, that's kind of the, the Celtic story. Uh, and this playing on the road. Right. Get back to being mentally focused, get back to doing the things that you're supposed to be doing and just be kind of more rock solid. No more of those uh, turning the ball over when you get across half court. No more of those silly passes like let's be smarter with the ball. Let's get the turnovers down and let's get turnovers happening on the other end so you can get out in transition. Um, let's move on to the Dallas Mavericks, uh, with them. I mean, they got blown out by the Atlanta Hawks last night. It was like really, really bad. And, uh, Jason Kidd, he has said that he wants to get the, the, the Dallas Mavericks kind of more evenly scoring. It's not, it can't just be uh, Luka Doncic nonstop with the ball. So he, there was some, you know, Dorian Finney-Smith post-ups and that's an interesting move. I'm not sure if that's going to be something that's going to be sustainable, but this is what they're trying to do. This is what Jason Kidd, the new coach, is looking to do. He wants to get a more balanced attack, and that's going to mean that means less uh, Luka Doncic. He took quite a few less shots than he took last season. You know, different just talking like field goal attempts. So I want to see how the Raptors guard a point guard like him. They've had a lot of success with it, and I want to see what uh, what they're able to do with um, with a player of his caliber. How Scotty matches up with them. Uh, obviously, they're going to be you know doing their switching, and I want to see how everyone handles that situation, and then. I mean, Porzingis, he is supposed to be playing more um, or he's going to have a, a bigger role in the offense. That's what uh, Jason Kidd has said. That's what Porzingis has said, too. And uh, last game was not great. Again, it's only one game, but John Collins carved him up in the pick and roll, and uh, he made things really, really uncomfortable for Porzingis. And that is an area where we're talking, you know, getting back to doing what you do. Uh, Scotty, uh, OG, um, your bigs, Achua, you can – 
beat the Dallas Mavericks through that high pick and roll with Fred or Goron or whoever. And I want to see them do it right. This is, this is a perfect time. Like it's kind of a, a jump ball for you to make that happen. And I would love to see them kind of take some strides in, in that area. And the Mavericks have historically had trouble with teams when they go small. Um, I think yeah. even in the Clippers series, the way the Clippers beat them was by going small. Um, and, and one of the reasons is because the Mavericks really don't have a way to press the advantage, even though they have bigs, they can't really press that advantage. So I think that's a matchup where the Raptors can really like lean into like Raptors going to play small ball anyways, but they can really lean into their length and see what they can do. It's going to be the second night of a back-to-back. So I would expect in that game nurse to open up his rotation a bit. Maybe that's the game you see Malachi play in. Maybe that's the game that you see um, probably maybe go a bit deeper into the bench. So you might see 11 guys. Uh, but yeah, the Mavericks, it's going to come down to, can you punish them for being kind of weak inside? And they're also installing a new offense. So can you turn them over? And if the Raptors can turn them over the Mavericks, let's see if they can actually get back on D. I kind of doubt it. Um, there should be a lot of transition opportunities. So I, I think that game should hopefully be the game where like you see like 110, 150, yeah. 120 points. Right. So that's kind of the hope for that Mavs game should be a good Saturday night watch. Hopefully. I feel like that's going to be where they get their, their first one of the season. I mean, high hopes for the Celtics game, but I just like want to see them, you know, improve just doing like the principles that Nick wants. And then the Mavericks game, that's where you get your, your first win at home Uh, on the bulls game. Very quick. uh, That's on Monday, DeMar DeRozan coming back to Toronto. Good times. Uh, They struggled a little bit to score against the Detroit Pistons. That was a, it was kind of glaring actually the Pistons. I mean, Dwayne Casey's putting his, his stamp on them, but uh, they didn't shoot the ball very well. No one really shot the ball very well, but they did kind of win ugly. And that's different for, for the Chicago Bulls, because that's not a team that has notoriously been known as a, as a great defensive team, but you know, Caruso is there. Lonzo ball is there. So it seems like they're kind of changing the culture. And as Zach Levine said, after the game, this ain't last year. We look forward now. This is a whole new team, whole new mindset. So they're very excited about the, all the players that they brought in. And uh, I'm very intrigued by them too. So uh, if there's anything that pops out of things that you want to see from that game, what would they be? I think the biggest thing in that game is going to be, um, can Fred and Goran get off the ball? Because Lonzo and um, Lonzo and Caruso are great yeah. point of attack defenders. They'll really pester and they're both long. So I would like to see Fred and Goran get off the ball. And attack from the wings. Let's see OG. Let's see Scotty. Let's see their playmaking in that game because they're the ones that are going to have the advantage. Let's make Nik- Nikola Vucevic work. I think defensively, again, the Raptors have the requisite size to kind of make it work and match up with them. I don't mm-hmm. think Nick Vucevic is out. Ken Birch has seen a lot of Nick Vucevic. Let's just say that. I, I have not seen <laughs> Nick Vucevic do. Nick Vucevic has done, had maybe one good game against the Raptors in his like last five years. So we'll see what he can do. But I think there's a lot to attack on the offensive end there. And I want to see that's where it's like wing playmaking. Let me see OG and Scotty attack Damar, sure. Levine, Nick Vucevic, where they can beat these slow footed or like weaker guys in the post. And that's yeah. where you're going to get it. If Fred and Goran are going to stay on ball, I think we're going to have a rough night because they're going to have trouble eating clock and then not really getting a shot off. Yeah. Uh, the biggest thing for me was it's all centered around Nick Vucevic because with the Raptors MO, what they're doing, he's, he should be barbecue chicken. Like, night in, night out, that's the player that should just not be a factor for you outside of his talent and his history with the Raptors. Um, he's going to be shooting a lot of threes right now. They're doing a lot of five out and it's just him setting a screen for, for Zach or DeMar and then they just off they go. So obviously the Raptors are going to do a lot of switching with them. And uh, on the other end of the court, yeah, make Nick work. 
<laughs> Vucevic has to be on the move nonstop. And uh, with a person like Scotty and Precious Achua and OG, whoever the person is that's going to be taking on that responsibility or that uh, Nick Vucevic is going to be guarding, like you have to make him move. And he's someone that, yeah, he should not be effective at all against the Raptors, against what they're trying to do. Again, early days with their half-court offense, but you should be able to get downhill against him and make him a liability for the for the Chicago Bulls. And I know they're, they, they got a lot of... Uh, Oh, this, they're better perimeter defenders, right? With Lonzo Ball and Alex Caruso. And I'm sure they're going to create some headaches, but Vucevic is going to be on the court and you need to give, you know, the coaching staff a reason to take him off because he's being exposed that badly. <laughs> <laughs> um, I guess that is just going to just about do it here for the podcast. Asad, thank you so much for joining me, man. It's much appreciated. Always a fun time chatting with you. And uh, any closing thoughts? Uh, not nah, hoping for some wins. I think we're going to beat Boston. We're going to beat the Mavs. And then we're going to beat the Bulls. 3-0 and weekend. Keep our hopes up. You know, Raptors wearing the championship sweater. We got the banner. We got the ring. Ready to go. Let's have ourselves a good little Raptor weekend, all right? And enjoy your weekend, folks. We'll talk to you soon. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply.